standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's episode of The Sunday Chops. This week I'm chatting to mega author. I say mega because she has written hella books. Dorothy Coomson. I met up with Dorothy about a month or so ago to chat about her new book, Tell Me Your Secret. Which, I'm not going to tell you what it's about, because Dorothy's going to do that in just a tick, but it covers themes around things like bodily autonomy, violence against women, the concept of victimhood. It's really, really interesting and very enjoyable read. I read it on the beach in France. Just before I let you get cracking with this episode, just want to tell you about a little show we've just announced guests for, which is coming up on September the 15th. Yes, guys, my birthday again. We have a show at the London Podcast Festival. It's a bit different to our usual in conversation lineup. What we're doing is we're going to be chatting about news and views and probably bit of nonsense as well so it's going to be me hannah and mick and we'll be joined by journalist and co-author of the tremendous slay in your lane yomi adekaki and comedian tanya lee davis it's going to be i think very very interesting and also it's my birthday so i'll cry if you don't come but enough of that over to dorothy hope you enjoy I am joined by Dorothy Coomson, author of the new book, Tell Me Your Secret. Hello, Dorothy. Hello, nice to meet you. So, we are in this uh, lovely office to talk about said new book, which is your 14th novel? 15th novel. Uh, One of my novels is quite short, it was a quick read, so it was still a novel, but it wasn't as long as the others. So, 15, officially, yes. I mean, that's 14's a lot, 15's even more, so... (laughs) Well, the first one was published in 2003, basically a book a year, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about this book, which has just been published about a week ago, I think you said. Can you tell us a bit about what it's about? Um, It's a story of two women, essentially, who are connected by their links to a serial killer who calls himself the blindfolder. The first woman is a journalist called Peter, who 10 years previously, before the book starts, was kidnapped from outside of a London nightclub and held for a weekend and told she'd be allowed to live if she manages to keep her eyes closed for 48 hours. So she manages to survive and afterwards doesn't tell anybody what's happened to her, leaves London and moves to Brighton, the seaside, um, to start again. And life gets better for her, you know, she manages to put it behind her until she's asked to interview somebody who says she's the latest victim of the person called the blindfolder. And she was held for a weekend and then reveals that he's actually going back and killing the previous victims. So now Peter realises that her life's in danger, that he's probably going to track her down and kill her. On the other side, we've got Jodie, who is a police officer who's been investigating this the blindfolder for a lot longer than she's told anybody. She has all these links to him and a very personal reason for hunting him down. No one knows anything about him. And then she discovers that Peter was, a, was once a victim, and so she realises that now she has a way of catching him, So, but that would in, mean endangering Peter's life. So her secret is to be not found out why she knows the blindfolder and also will she use the things she's found out about Peter to her advantage. Lots of twists and turns in the tale. Some of the themes of the book, quite a lot of it is about bodily autonomy, control, rape, abortion. There's some quite meaty, gritty subjects in there. Do you feel like it's sort of 
now's an important time to be talking about those kind of issues. Those issues have always been around, and my previous books have dealt with difficult subjects. Uh, I try not to do them in a in-your-face way or make people, to turn people off. I'm not at all graphic or it's not too gruesome. It's all kind of suggested and it's stuff that people can imagine themselves. They're just things that I wanted to talk about. I mean, one of the reasons why I wrote this book was to look at the idea of perfect victims and how women have to be perfect before they're believed if something happens to them and or they have to not have done all these things that most of us have done, you know, drinking too much, having sex or being promiscuous or, you know, sex outside of marriage or taking drugs. I've never taken drugs, by the way, just in case my parents are listening. I <laughs> just wanted to make sure that's clear. But, you know, other people do. And those are the things that people do as a normal part of their life. But if something happens to them as a result of that or something happens to them, this is the stuff that gets dragged up, you know, and used against them. And their crimes aren't investigated properly because it's always the focus becomes on them and blaming them and stopping them from feeling like they deserve to get justice. And that's what I wanted to look at in the book, the idea of imperfect victims, people who do normal things and still don't manage to get um, justice. And there's certain types of people who, whether we like to admit it or not, people we are constantly told to care about. If something happens to them, if they disappear or, you know, they're insulted or hurt. There's certain people who we're told to want to care about, whereas there are other people who aren't perfect, who haven't done the, be- the right thing constantly, but, you know, they still deserve, because apparently we're a democracy where everybody's equal, so why aren't they given the, whole, the chance to have justice and to see the person who's done this to them punished? And that's, that was the underlying thing of the book. And... Those other subjects came as a result of that, you know. I think a lot of the Me Too stuff, people didn't come forward at the time, not only because they were they knew they wouldn't be believed, but also because they didn't believe themselves. They, they were hard on themselves and they didn't feel like they deserved to have justice or to, to feel that they had the voice or the chance or opportunity to speak up for themselves. And I, I really feel that people, particularly women, are really hard on themselves and they're really, you know, we put ourselves through the ringer to be perfect or to be, to be good girls. And it doesn't, doesn't save us. It doesn't stop anything bad happening to us. So that was the reason why I wanted to write this book, to look at that and to hopefully, when people read it, they will stop being so hard on other people and themselves if something happens to them. I think the idea of a sort of perfect victim is, is very interesting because you're right, of course, you know, there are, I guess, like virtuous traits that we're encouraged to have that make us more likeable or believable. Absolutely. Or... And, you know, not being likeable shouldn't stop you from getting justice if something happens to you. And, you know, recently we saw all the the stuff with rape victims, we're going to go through your phones and we're going to see the messages you've sent, and which is awful. So, you know, when you, if something does happen to you, the idea that you're going to have to sit there and go, actually, do I have to delete messages or do I have to explain why I sent a rude message to somebody? It's awful. I just think that stuff is just awful and wrong as well, you know. We're all supposed to be equal no matter what happens to us. And so the fact that there are people who sit there and we, I mean, we know that people aren't going to care if something happens to us or people aren't going to believe us or they're going to subtly blame us for things, you know, why were you there and what were you doing? Did you, how much did you drink? How much did you fight? One of the other sort of themes that you write about a bit, a bit in the book, it's not really a central focus, I wouldn't say, but it, it does touch on race issues as well. A lot of the victims of the blindfolder are 
women of colour. Did you have anything in mind when you were writing it about the idea of victims or people who get to be believed or helped by the justice system or what? Black women aren't believed. I mean, that's just, it's just basically, let's just say it. Again, it's that, you know, you're not on that, that ladder of, of where you are going to be believed, you know, and a lot of the blindfolders victims, where he picks them up from is clubs, nightclubs, or he picks up people who, who aren't going to be believed, you know. People are going to question where the, why they were there, and, and that happens to a lot of black women, and you speak to black women and, you know, they will tell you that, you know, if something bad happens to them, they aren't immediately sort of, like, comforted and, set, and people say, oh, yeah, they're there, you know, it was awful what happened to you. It's the whole list of why were you there, what were you saying, kind of did you instigate it before. It has to be no, 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 no. They have to be perfect, absolutely perfect, before people believe them. And that's one of the things that I wanted to do, that's just dealt with in the book, you know, that black women are just as human as anybody else, but we're not treated like that, you know. There's a line in the book that says we're all created equal, but we're not treated equally. And that's one of the things about Jodie, the police officer, because she's not the nicest of people, and she does some pretty dodgy things but at the forefront of it she wants people to understand that they are victims they had lives they're beyond and this is something that I think happens a lot in crime fiction and crime and thrillers and tv as well and I love those things I love watching them and reading them but I find that often the victim is just a victim and that's what they're there for they don't have a life beyond that you know it's you don't find out about them you don't find out about them to any great degree and what Jodie wants to do and what I wanted to do through Jodie was to put a face and a life to the victims and to make them, people care, you know, that this is what happened to them. They're not just a body, a crime to be solved, they are people. There's quite a lot of stuff, well there has been in the last few years, about crime dramas on TV, so I think like The Fall, for example, I don't know if you caught that. Quite a lot of criticism of this idea of violence against women almost becoming a sexy thing. Mm. You do focus a lot on the, you know, these people are victims, they had lives. A lot of my books have dealt with violence against women and I write about it in a specific way. As I said, I don't ever go into the mechanics of it. With my books particularly, I call them emotional thrillers because it's not about the crime, it's not about the detection of the crime, it's about the people involved and so many things happen to people in real life awful things happen to people in real life and I wanted to look at how they're changed you know what a crime or being on the outskirts of a crime does to a person and how it alters them and I don't ever want to go into the gruesome mechanics of it that's just not me I don't like watching it I don't like reading about it you know I find that just unnecessary so I don't I don't do that in my books I know other people do and other people enjoy that but I I don't and I don't see the need for it personally I I think you can get a lot across without spelling it out as it were yeah I can see why some things were being criticized and personally I just don't watch them I I mean I'm quite squeamish anyway so you know a casualty I can't watch that anymore because it's like oh no I can't I can't I can't do that (laughs) (laughs) it sounds ridiculous you see like in the opening scene you see like a kettle and you think oh what is that kettle gonna do yes where is it going to what's what's gonna happen next I do sometimes walk down a road and I'll see something like you know a truck a lorry going along and I'll think oh yeah that's a scene from casualty waiting to happen (laughs) yeah so I can say I'm quite squeamish and you know I I I can understand why people get upset about it and point it out that there should be more to the story that the woman in that situation should be more than as I said the victim more than the body more than the the cipher to 
have somebody detect a crime. They should be real, living, breathing people. And I hope I get that across. And, and I hope more people do that. More people try and involve people so that they actually care about the people. So even if they are not the best behaved people, you actually care about them by the end of the book or by the end of the story, by the end of the TV series. Not because something awful has happened to them, but because you kind of see the humanity in them by the end of it. Thanks for listening. Do you know what is super helpful? It is super helpful if you pop over to iTunes and rate and review us. Oh, and while you're there, if you're not already subscribed, do that too. Thanks very much. There's police involved and Peter's job is she's a journalist. Did you have to do like quite a lot of research to sort of get the processes and the protocols bang on? I used to be a journalist, so I know know a a lot about that and that wasn't difficult that at that part the police bit i talked to different two different police officers and one who is a retired police officer and he now writes books and advises authors on their procedures basically and another one she's still a police officer and i spoke to her a few times about how they do things because you know things move on and they do things a lot differently even from a couple of years ago they have to do things differently so I spoke to both of them for that part of the story you know the procedure because this is my first book where there's actually been a police procedural element to it in the previous books it's always been the people looking you know the ordinary people who are kind of affected by the crime but this is the first time it's been the police officer and how they detect the crime and what what happened actually during the process. I guess the majority of your books are sort of aimed at women. We spoke to, on the podcast, Mickey spoke to Joanne Harris quite recently and they talked about the term chicklet mm-hmm. and Joanne said it sort of denigrates or, or undermines the the work of a, of a lot of women. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Uh, my original books, yeah, my first two, two, three books they did, yes. And, you know, I used to really hate the term and... Now I, I, I don't care to be fair, because <laughs> I, I I spend a lot of time defining my books um, and thinking about genres. And but you know, let's not pretend that women's books aren't devalued. You know, a man and a woman could write the same story, and the man's book will be held up as some sort of literary masterpiece, and a woman's book would be like, oh, it's a nice book that's a woman's written, and you know for her she's done really well hasn't she for herself <laughs> managed to get all those words together on a page yeah. but women's work has always been denigrated and put as a, at a lower status and you know even the term women's fiction or it's just fiction yeah. it is just fiction yeah. but the idea that something that women enjoy is also of lesser value as well that I mean that's where that's where that comes from it's it's a constant thing that what women enjoy are, is supposedly less important than what people enjoy because you know apparently we're separate from people clearly we're not and women buy books more than men women have always been the people who actually buy the books so you know if it is a shoes and handbag story so what if it's a uh, literary tome about you know Oliver Cromwell so what they're all the same as far as I'm concerned you know it's really hard to write a book it's really hard to sit down and write a book and then finish it and then get it published you know so You've done amazingly just to get to that point. So the fact that people can spend the time, you know, putting down other people for stuff they've done. You know, some books aren't for me. Some books just, I, I don't get on with them. But that doesn't mean they're not great or they don't have value or they don't, they don't bring other people pleasure. So personally, I don't, like I say, I don't care about the term chicklet anymore. I just ignore people who 
he used that term to describe my books and you know what's wrong with being a chick and what's and what's wrong with stuff that women like or are interested in you know nothing what authors do you look at for sort of inspiration or who do you really enjoy reading I love reading. I've always had loved reading since I was very little. I was very fortunate. My mum taught me to read and my siblings before we went to nursery, so we all, I was always ahead of the game, as it were. So I, I've always someone who's, who's read a lot. So I don't sort of define myself I, to any one genre, apart from horror, because I can't read horror because I won't sleep. You know, as I said, I'm quite squeamish. <laughs> and oh, I remember trying a, a Clive Barker book once oh that was just gruesome and I was like you know what no this isn't for me but I read everything else I read all sorts of things and I one of my favorite things is to go to a library or a bookshop just look at shelves see covers pick them up have a flick through and think oh actually I'll try this and I think that's the best way to discover new books and new stories and new writers and being a writer you need to read you need to read everything you can't just read the things that are in your genre or just in your interest, you know, you need to read how and find out how people are telling stories and what stories are being told and what stories aren't being told. So I can't say at the moment there's anything that people who inspire me, but when I was growing up, I used to love Jackie Collins, I loved J.G. Ballard, I loved all the comics, you know, like uh, Jackie and Tammy and Bunty and Blue Jeans and all them lot. And I used to read, um, you know, Maya Angelou and Alice Walker. I used to read so much yeah just everything so you know fairy tales everything so I'm quite fortunate and I, I quite like I like a story so I like picking stuff up and reading it and finding out what happens so I've always loved that so it's the summer and obviously people are going to be heading off on holiday I went on holiday last week I read three books in a week it's the most relaxed I've ever been it's such a self-indulgent thing to do it feels like but yeah and your book was one of them have you read anything recently that you'd recommend to the listeners of Standard Issue? Obviously, apart from your book, that's top of the list. <laughs> At the moment, I'm part of the judging panel for the Science Prize. Oh. So I've got to read 50 books. I've got to be a big chunk of 50 books. So that's what I'm reading at the moment. And some of them are great, you know. I'm really enjoy- I can't tell you which ones they are, obviously, because the long list hasn't been released out, nor the short list. Okay. So I can't tell you, but some of them are really, really interesting and I my husband is a scientist um so I keep saying to him did you know this and he'll be like no I didn't know that so you've become quite intellectual now Dorothy and I'm like no I am intellectual but um so that's what I've been reading at the moment so that's all that's in my head so I can't tell you any other books good way to dodge the question yeah now I don't like this term particularly but the book is almost like stealth feminism it's not in your face from what we've chatted about it sounds like very much these are sort of issues that were on your mind um they're always on my mind because that's you know it's lived experience isn't it yeah it's lived experience and so all my books the women in it are people say they're strong women and that is kind of something that's leveled a lot of black women we're expected to be strong and you know which actually means just putting everybody first and putting ourselves last but I do think my characters are always very strong women and they do have a very defined role in the world and they may not be burning bras which didn't actually happen as we all know my characters have always got a very strong sense of self and who they are and Yes, do silly things and get themselves into silly situations. And sometimes it's because of a bloke. But, you know, at the core of them, they believe they are equal to anybody out there, any man out there. For me, that's what the tenet of feminism is. Everybody is equal and you're feeling that you are 
equal to other people. What else are you up to at the moment, other than judging science books? Running around the country promoting the book and doing events. Um, I am allegedly writing. See, now I've said that allegedly, and now my editor's going to listen to that, and she's going to know that I haven't actually done as much of the next book as I should have done. Isn't that just the way of the writer? It is the way of me, yes. Last, <laughs> the last second of going, oh yeah, it's in here, it's nearly done. Yeah. That's what I'm mainly doing, yes, doing that. So and the next one. Yes, right. yes, it is. And yes, I'm, I, think I think I've got the title now, but... I've got the story, I just need to sit down and write it, which is the main thing. That's the easy bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, if our listeners want to follow what you're up to, want to come to an event, get a book signed, all of that kind of stuff, where can they find out more about you and what you're up to? Well, I'm on Facebook and Twitter. Um, Dorothy Coombson on Twitter. Dorothy Coombson Writer on Instagram and Facebook. And I've got a website as well, which is dorothycoombson.co.uk. And I update most of them, most of the time. If you log into one of those things, you'll find me. Dorothy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you for speaking to me. It's been very interesting. Hey there, you lot. If you want to follow every aspect of our lives on social media, and why wouldn't you, because you're only human, you can! We're on Twitter as a team, at Standard Issue UK, or individually on at Inspiragen, at That Dunleavy, and at Mixed Noonan, and I'd like to think it'll be fairly obvious who's who. We're on Facebook as well, at Standard Issue Magazine, and even Instagram, at Standard Issue Podcast. Come to us, look at our faces. Standard issue for all women.